Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. All right, Q Harrison Terry, great to see you today. So I'm glad to have you on here. You know, we have a super series that we're putting together all around the metaverse. We have VC founders, builders, you name it, really focused on specific industries. Uh, we'll have different individuals talking about that. For you, you know, it's really around a broader perspective. You wrote the book, uh, The Metaverse Handbook, um, that's out right now. For the purpose of everyone, before we kind of dig into it, uh, is really give us the elevator pitch of yourself. I know you worked on growth initiatives with Mark Cuban. You wrote the book that you're highlighting there and and uh, you got it right here as well uh, for everyone. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of what you're doing in this space and, and prior to. Yeah, by day, I mean, I work with Mark Cuban and work on growth initiatives for just growing the company. So growth marketing and all that. And then by night, I'm a future thinker. I like to think about the future of technology and the impact it has on our lives. And in the past few years, we've seen the emergence of some pretty spectacular digital technologies, one of them being NFTs. And that led me to the whole consensus of maybe we should make non-technical guides for people that want to innovate in these spaces, but don't necessarily know how to get started. So that was the impetus for the NFT handbook that did pretty well. And we got, you know, like, I don't know, like 12 or 13 uh, international translations within not even within the first year. So the book was translated into several different languages. And I was like, wow, there's actually an appetite for this. And in the NFT handbook, uh, chapter nine, I detailed the metaverse. I was like, you know, your NFTs, they're not just gonna exist as fidgetals um, where you're, you know, buying that digital object and then trying to figure out how to give it life in the real world. It's gonna actually have some existence and permanence in these things known as the metaverse. Got a ton of questions about it. Went back to the publisher and said, hey, what if we did the metaverse handbook? And my co-author, DJ Ski, is actually the chief metaverse officer at TSX. They're spending about $25 billion in Times Square on probably the largest uh, Web3 digital activation. They're thinking about, you know, how does Web3 meet Broadway in, in, in Times Square? And how do you give some permanence to uh, the big drops that some of the, the, the celebrities like The Weeknd and others uh, do and when they do these big takeovers? And how do you give life? Like, how do we rethink the, the show? And so having some conversations with him and knowing that he was building metaverses, not only at that scale, but even other, installation, other installations with Snoop Dogg and Paris Hilton, I was like, all right, like, I think we have something here. And so I started writing the, the Metaverse Handbook. And quite frankly, the Metaverse Handbook, to answer your, your first, first question, in my mind is like the TED Talk to the Metaverse, right? It's like, if you want a little bit more than a 14 minute uh, speech and you need to know kind of in a non-technical way, what is the Metaverse? Who's in it? Why are people even talking about it? Why did you know Mark Zuckerberg change the name of his company, formerly known as Facebook to Meta? And what is really the opportunity for people of all sizes? That's what the book does. Now, there's other books, too, if you want to go super in-depth, you want to get it at the, the protocol level and things of that nature. And I, I consider those like some of the metaverse Bibles. But for the, the non-technical person that just needs the, the quick brief, whether you're a decision maker at a company or you're an entrepreneur in college just seeking out and finding your riff, or maybe you're a mid-career professional and you're trying to figure out, you know, what is this metaverse? Why are all these companies talking about it? I created the book for you to just pick it up and, and you know quickly if you read 10 pages a day 
in two weeks, you'll, you'll, you'll have a primer on the metaverse. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So let's go there. Instead of really trying to, let's say, define the elusive metaverse, let's go straight into kind of what problems are being solved here uh, from your lens. What are you seeing from a problem solving standpoint? I think that is the big question, specifically in the world of investments is, you know, what problems are being solving, solved and the technology will enable. Um, so anything you're seeing there? I mean, there's a lot that the metaverse is solving. And I think that that's what it gets a bad rep for because the question is like, what is a metaverse? That's sure. oftentimes uh, regarded as like the, the 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 point. That's the stale point. That's the point that everybody like gets stuck on, and then we never get past to like what examples work. I think the metaverse is really good at creating digital twin environments. Digital twin environments are spaces that exist in a digital world that replicate basically what we're experiencing in the real world uh, with some modifications, uh, Abby, if that if that's what you want to have, and so. When I think about the metaverse, I think some of the first interactions that we're going to have that are actually going to be like super, super impactful are probably going to come by way of training. Probably going to so like when you think of like, like flight simulators, like the fact that like there's there's instruments that used to cost like half a million and more uh, can now be realistically achieved with, you know, one of these, uh, a flight, a flight deck control and <laughs> a uh maybe a thousand dollars on the table to gear, put all this stuff together. And now you have the. You have competing, I mean, and then plus your computer costs, but like, let's just say all in for two to $3,000, you could get a flight simulator and you could teach yourself how to be a pilot. That's absurd, man. Like, like that caught that, like the barrier to entry is just drastically decreased and you're going to see, you know, an uptick. Now you can make the argument that like planes are going to fly themselves, but you can apply this to many other professions. That's just one example. I mean, I've seen racing simulators. I've seen baseball simulators. Like there are some really good training simulators in these environments, whether you're trying to be a pilot, a baseball star, uh, a tennis star. And, and when I say training, I mean that these are things that professionals can use that will actually get you some real world experience. And so that's like one area that like actually does excite me. Um, another area that excites me is like the whole concept of connection. So when we think about the metaverse and like the definition I like to use is like one, it's the evolution of the internet and the internet's evolving. And as it evolves, there's this whole new uh, paradigm shift that we now are working with because technology allows for it. And that is known as the spatial web or literally the spatial internet. And at its, at its core, at like when we actually like hit, hit that, that, that equilibrium and like we've reached this hologram should be possible. So what we saw in the sci-fi movies when they're making diagrams appear in real world or you're you're beaming yourself to someone's uh, television or living room, like the technology will go from what we're doing right now, like of, of, of a 2D virtual Zoom chat, and it will be something where it's a lot more like, like I can, we can, we can, we can look like Princess Leia in Star Wars. And so like, when we get there, the question is, like what, what, how many steps does it take before we get there? And like, what, what, what is the route to that, to that space? Like what's going to change? And I think one of the things that we have to do right now is we have to get comfortable with the technology. So there's a lot of technologies that exist in the metaverse as we speak. Um, not just talking about the headsets, but some of the software on it that do give us a little bit of a glimpse as to what this could look like at scale. Um, I always look at VR chat and some of the communities that have uh, ensued within VR chat because it's it's a it's a space that largely is only visited with you know a, a headset. The headset doesn't matter so much to make model, so you can get in um, whether it be a Meta headset, whether it be a HTC headset, whether it be a Valve headset. Like there's 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 like it's an agnostic platform, which is cool. It does still sort of look like a video game. But there's some elements in there that actually uh, show us the way forward. There are people starting businesses in there. 
whether it be a translation business, whether it be dancing, whether it be uh, people uh, creating movie theaters in, in the space. There's people like, you know, that create whole movies. We saw that. Uh, and I talk about that in the book with uh, Joe Hunting. Uh, we met in virtual reality. It's now available on HBO Max. But when we were writing the book, it was only you could only see it if you went to Sundance. And so what's fascinating to me is like the cultural connections that we will see. Like there's going to be a whole new generation of creators the same way YouTube introduced us to vloggers, the same way that uh, Instagram introduced us to the the influencers as we know them today, where you're taking selfies and you're doing it for the gram. The metaverse will create content creators that are empowered by non-player characters and bots and uh have uh, have like spatial awareness to, to like the, the the spaces they've been in like it'd be really cool when i go to a restaurant if i could just uh have a device that like allows me to capture myself in a spatial environment and then allows me to leave a review at the restaurant like that like sounds really futuristic but it's probably doable today like the technology we need to make that happen is there maybe the bandwidth as far as uploading and compressing those files that might be the hardest part but like we could build that network today and you could have a yelp where it's not just a review, people can talk and they can express and they can show what was going on. And like that is captured there. So when you go there, if you have, you know, seven friends that have also been here and they said, don't order this, order this, but it's like a visual thing. It's not something you have to read. I think that that would actually be kind of cool. And that's just like me uh, ruminating. But at the same time, like that's the cool thing about the metaverse today is like the innovators can create experiences that just weren't had possible uh, just 10 years ago. Yeah, that makes sense. So there's there's almost the social communication gaming side of the equation. There's there's also the commercial side of the equation where you talked about training. Uh, we're seeing some of that. I think at the Meta uh, Connect uh, uh, event, they basically highlighted how uh, Accenture had uh, roughly 60,000 Oculus Quest across its company, um, which just shows you how one of the biggest consulting firms out there is actually trying to empower their users to then obviously go out and consult I don't think they would be doing that if they didn't see real interest from their customers or basically the biggest companies in the world, mainly all the companies in the world. Uh, on the gaming side, again, kind of to just further uh, illustrate what you're talking about, which is, you know, you have Roblox sitting here with 50 million plus users on a monthly basis, talking using the same type of experiences you're talking about, maybe not in VR per se, but in virtual worlds where they're doing things and creators are building. Um, talk about, I don't know if you, you got a chance to look at Meta the Connect. Um, do you have any like basic takeaways from that event? Did it kind of further emphasize your views of where we're headed? Uh, did it keep that at the status quo or anything around kind of the event or takeaways from like the Quest Pro or anything that you wanted to share? Yeah, I mean, like, I think that first, you know, it's it's exciting to see a company like uh, Facebook or formerly Meta, formerly Font. I'm just going to refer to them as, as, as for the sake of confusion, because I feel like if we call them Meta, like, and we're talking about the Metaverse and you don't know what the Metaverse is, uh, you might get, you might get confused. So I'm just right. like. Alphabet, Google. You know, yeah, we, <laughs> exactly. Like we still recall. Yeah. Like their parent company is Alphabet. That's a great example. So the company formerly known as Facebook, now known as Meta, I think has done a good job of keeping the hype alive around this whole notion of the Metaverse. I still think we're in probably the first inning. Like we don't have, the headsets aren't powerful enough, right? Because if you've been in true metaverse environments, so I'm talking about like desktop powered VR, and then you look at what is available on the standalone, standalone gets you accessibility, which will know, undoubtedly get you the, the numbers that you need to see in order to make uh, substantial investments and bets. But the thing that we haven't gotten to is we haven't moved too much 
too much beyond the needle in gaming on the standalone side. Like some of the coolest things that you were talking that we were seeing at Meta uh, Connect was like the Iron Man VR game now finally being ported over to the 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 Meta uh, Quest platform. Uh, they announced the partnership with uh, Microsoft and XCloud, and I thought that that was fascinating. But again, you're gaming in 2D, so it's like if you have like a 20 inch screen, maybe you want to play an RPG game on the screen size of your choice, you can connect the controller and have fun. But that's still, it's still not exactly the metaverse that we've been promising. Like that's not the spatial environment I was just talking about. I think the fact that they have a fitness API uh, on the fitness side was cool. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a really strong yeah. um, demonstration of them understanding what the, the use case, the active use cases for the quest today are. I do think that like the quest is probably one of the, the, it's a better device than a Peloton. Um, my opinion on that is a Peloton is one dimensional. You buy a Peloton bike, they have different programming and, and you can access that programming, but you can really only do one thing and that's bike. And then they have different Peloton offerings and they have the treadmill and some other things. But when we get to it, they're very one dimensional devices. The reason why this succeeded is it was multifaceted. And so if we take a look at the quest today, the fact that I can put this on, uh, go into it, uh, have an experience that allows me to work out and do different types of workouts, whether I want to do a Beat Saber or I want to do you know, a boxing workout or I want to do some crazy cardio fitness thing like a hit. There's all that in there. If you even want to play a virtual game of tennis, like not the not the simulators, but like just a game of tennis, you can do that and get moving. And in a in a world where I think we're all very sedentary, like this is this is the way forward and having it connect with Google Fit and Apple Health, I thought was just like, you know, a genius model. I think the avatar side that they talked about at, at Meta 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 Connect or yeah, at Meta Connect is um I think it's like we're still very far from people realizing the importance of an avatar. I think we probably I don't know when that shift will be, but the avatars that I really do appreciate the most are probably the ready player me because they they're not like that ecosystem just feels to me like the right space as it uh, as it pertains to like what the metaverse could be. Like, so it's like think about a handle. Like if you're a verified professional, you probably have your handle and your handle is probably the same on all your, your channels. Like at least in the perfect world, that's how you would, you would do it. So your Twitter handle is the same as your Instagram handle, which is the same as like your YouTube handle, et cetera. Uh, if you can't get that to happen, it's not it's not the end of the world. But like, I think the avatar is pretty much the handle, and so I don't think mm. we should live in a world where you should have to change your avatar in every single environment that you go in. You need to be in a space where you design an avatar, and they're they're cross compatible uh, against these different domains um, that we'll be experiencing. Just because there's going to be way too many uh, way too many environments, and like the username and password fiasco, we're largely getting around that in the metaverse. Right you appreciate but the avatar thing is like the rebirth of a problem we've already solved and so yeah that's an interesting concept i haven't heard the uh username avatar kind of uh comparison or analogy which is uh i find actually somewhat fascinating going forward yeah like that's it. the interoperability of avatars matters a lot that's why i kind of really do rock with what ready player me is doing in the sense that they're saying hey we have these you can use them wherever and we're in, we're we're telling developers to like integrate our, our SDK. So that way uh, you don't, you as a user, if you have a wallet or if you have a login, that, that avatar is associated with it. And there's a connect, a way to connect it. Um, obviously the, the biggest, the biggest, biggest thing in the room, like you talked about with the Accenture was meta talking about workplace and productivity. Now 
I think that that's probably the most exciting use case for all of the meta headsets is the fact that they have passed through. Uh, mm -hmm. I think the Quest 2, the current Quest that most people have, is like a... And pass through, pass through for everyone listening is, is essentially being able to replicate kind of the real world around you so that I can literally be sitting here at my desk, see a digital screen, but also see the room around me, which I think a lot of people hate. Some, some people, a subset of the people hate the experience of, of being in a device and not understanding what's happening around you. Yeah. So I, so I just wanted to clarify that. No, I appreciate that. Like that, like sometimes when I'm flowing, I, you know, I don't, I, 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 try, <laughs> they, to, I they, try to, make they it didn't write the meta handbook. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I try to, I try to make it as accessible as possible, but sure, sure. I'm, I'm in my meta bag right now. The, the meta, the former, the former Facebook company. So, um, the question, so the question I have about workplace productivity is like, until either the headsets get lighter and the fit is better, I don't really see anyone having extended use, 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 usage in these headsets. That's part of the reason why um, there's a Kickstarter campaign where they're making the first custom interface for uh, the, the Quest platform. You got to check that out. It's by the Magic 5 on Kickstarter. Yeah, uh, they just launched it about a week, a week ago. And like what they do is they have software that analyzes your face. And then you can take out this insert right here, like I just did. And they give you a new insert that's custom fit to your face. So they make uh, like some of the world's best swimming goggles. So like uh, triathlon, tri triathlon athletes and um, Olympians and things of that nature, they all use their like their, their tech and their, their products. But the way they make those the, the swimming goggles is they actually do face scans. And so they were like, what if we took the same method and approach to the headsets? Now, I think technology like that is super exciting because when we get to workplace productivity, I'm expecting you to use this headset and battery concerns aside, it's got to be comfortable. And that's sure. one of the things that if you spend any reasonable amount of time in VR or just the metaverse as we know it today, these headsets, they do, they get heavy. They leave these marks around your eyes. It's not uh, a fun experience. So fixing the comfort element and seeing the third party marketplace kind of get into that, that to me is super exciting. The next thing I think is like just genius and, and, and what I'm, I'm most excited about on the the just workplace productivity side of MetaConnect is the fact that pass-through does exist. And so now on the Quest 2, you have pass-through and it's pretty much like that of a, let's just say a, 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 a black and white TV. Like pass-through there is just what black and white TVs were uh, in 1970s. Where we are with the the pass-through on the, the, the new Meta Quest Pro, it's like a color TV. So life is... It's going to come like with, with color from the life. And <laughs> yeah. so I think that will be much more exciting. I think that collaboration and a color environment with pass through is going to be one that is, is, is actually enjoyed. I have this right here. Yeah. That right there. Exactly. And then the price, the, the privacy element is actually something that I don't think meta did a really good job of talking about. If I have an employee and they have, you know, four or five screen monitor desk set up at, at work, Pretty much, unless they put privacy screens on all those monitors, pretty much anyone can see what they're working on. And so there's some privacy concerns, especially at companies that are working on, you know, sensitive information or, or big data projects that, you know, you, there's 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 some risk. If I put you in here, mm. I know that, you know, who the intended viewer is of those displays and, and, and documents are. And I think that that is a great selling point for some of these on, these, these enterprise companies that do value security and do want to be a part of the future. So I think that that's one thing with the color and just the the upgraded RAM on the Quest Pro, that's going to be exciting. I thought it was fascinating that, you know, Microsoft and 
um, Facebook kind of decided to come together and provide a lot of the workplace um, productivity acts, acts. I really would have wished to see Google and Facebook do that. I think that that would have been a, a better collaboration for many regards, but Microsoft feels like the safe, uh, the safe bet. I yeah, think if you want to land the enterprise, the enterprise customer, Microsoft has a good grip on those. Um, yeah, yeah so. but I think strategically, like when you think about the the metaverse as we know it, Google is probably the one, like if you have to compete against Apple. So if we say Apple is going to win this, like uh, whenever Apple decides to make their headset, they're going to they're gonna have market share, right? And everyone's going to have to compete and contend with it because this is the company that made the MacBook, the iPhone, and the iPad, yeah. et cetera. King of hardware. Exactly. Google has a bit more software integrations that I think uh, that could be exciting to the metaverse. Remember, Niantic was a former Google product. So there was Google engineers that built Niantic. Niantic would go on to give us uh, Pokemon Go and uh, several other XR experiences, which you can hands down say is one of the best, uh, probably one of the best uh in my mind, I think, you know, Pokemon Go is probably the best example of a metaverse uh, that we all, that was accessible to all. Right. And like that happened in 2016. So when we get back to where this is going to go in just the next few years, this gets really exciting. And so like, I think that that experience combined with the social elements and the social graphs that Facebook would have access to, I think they could have just did more, more cool stuff like Google Maps. If I could do interactive things again in, in, in the, the Quest 2 platform there, I think that that would have been exciting. I don't think Google's that great at hardware, right? They don't really, I mean. Yeah, the, they've struggled. Yeah, the Pixel phones, like they're just now finally figuring that out. And phones are pretty much going the way of, uh, you know, phones aren't phones aren't that innovative anymore. Like smart, like if they had figured it out 10 years ago, it'd be a different story. But like it took them a long time. I think Microsoft, when they merge with like Facebook and, 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 and join forces like this, they kind of are throwing the towel in on the HoloLens, right? Like let's not forget they spent, you know, billions of dollars, several billions of dollars on the HoloLens platform. We and did have a, a, a start to cut you off real quick. Is we did have a, a someone we spoke with, the head of a Spark AR or um, MetaSpark, one of the leaders um, in terms of leading instructors, basically highlighted that he was hearing anecdotally that HoloLens at some point was going to get shut down. Um, which this is, I, I guess, quasi evidence of at least them de-emphasizing that platform from the hardware side and re-emphasizing. Um, their software abilities. Yeah, that's kind of lame because the HoloLens. I don't know if you've ever used it, but it was actually the, it was really dope. Like the HoloLens was the one. It had like, a good name too. It had one of the cooler names out there. One of the cooler names and like the experience, like the fidelity was actually good. Like right, and the power was. It was actually a PC on your face. Like right, it, whatever you could dream of, you could do because you had an actual computer. This was not you know a, a, a skin version of Android per se. So. Right. Not, uh, you know, I think that, that this was a big loss for Microsoft. I think that maybe uh, they, they will get more more users in their cloud for sure. This is an extension of their cloud. And we know that Microsoft is spending a lot of time on thinking about how the cloud can help keep them relevant in the next a couple decades. And so sure. I think it's, for strategically for that, it makes sense. But as far as like them being a big player and, and one of the best players in the space, uh, it, it sucks to see them concede. Uh, yeah. Beyond that, uh, the future interface stuff that Mark Zuckerberg talked about at uh, MetaConnect was actually probably the most exciting. The fact that they're thinking about how to do these interfaces without these controllers is like most genius thing to me because it still is imperfect. And I think having a, a platform where you just have to buy tons and tons of accessories, to me, that feels like the Wii. And the Wii was successful, but it didn't largely work, um, largely because 
that we couldn't get one controller to rule them all, right? And right. you know, Nintendo really dialed in on that with the Switch. And that was a much more successful platform in the sense that you had the Wii functionality, but there was a lot more dexterity that you, that could be accomplished and achieved. And so, like when we look at just MetaConnect, uh, I know Lucky Palmer had some some thoughts. Uh, I didn't get a chance to actually watch that yet uh, prior to us recording this, but I, I I would recommend people check that out, and then go check out what Lucky Palmer had to say because usually that's the best way to like cut through what's reality versus uh, the mic mar- the the marketing scheme the speech. Sure. Cool. You know, we have another minute here. Um, basically, this is awesome kickoff of, uh, you know, the super series around the metaverse, the one that the individual that helped out and, and wrote the, uh, the metaverse handbook. Um, you know, three questions for you real quick is in terms of baseball, you know, what inning are we in? We, you spoke about it before. Remind the, the, the listeners, viewers. What inning? Man, this, this isn't even the first inning. We're figuring out who's at bat I and mean, we're getting the batting roster. right. And so if you want to get in the metaverse, literally show up, grab a bat. And just start practice swinging because the game hasn't started yet. Got it. Number two is, you know, one project that kind of comes to mind that you've seen that just kind of blows your mind. There's a lot. There's tons. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll give you a couple because I think that there's there's it's it's not a one project thing right now. I think Beam is doing some incredible stuff. They allow I think that they're probably going to be big on the Apple ecosystem if you see what they're doing there. So I think Beam VR or Beam AR, or I think is the, the name of that company. They're doing crazy stuff. Dogamy. Brilliant concept, uh, being able to raise a pet in the metaverse uh, and, and getting actual user share enough so so much that, you know, Gap would go and partner with them and make clothing for said virtual pets. That's 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 crazy. It's kind of like Pokemon, right? It's, I mean, not Pokemon up. Uh, to- Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. It's way, way better because it's like. More immersive and everything. Remember yeah. uh, Nintendo DS and Nintendogs? Or remember that, that game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, vaguely. So, I mean, I it's like. It yeah, like Nintendogs was like a huge thing, especially in Japan. Uh, like we've seen what this could be on a Nintendo DS. Let's see sure. what this looks like in, a, in an interoperable metaverse environment yeah. where like you can go to a dog park with your friends and like watch a movie and let the dogs play. Like <laughs> the future for that is like very, it's something that I think will bring a lot of people into VR because they'll be not just uh, XR, I'm going to say XR, but VR too. Um, it'll be, be something that brings a lot of people into these metaverse environments because dude, that's a use case that, I think people can get into passively and it'll bring them back every day. You know, that's the thing that's missing is everyone has uh, uh, any, everyone that's an innovator has one of these headsets. I don't know which model they have, but they have a headset or they have access to a headset. The problem is there's not a lot of experiences that bring them back. And so they try it out. They do the boxing game once they, they watch a little bit of a movie once uh, they go check out a social environment. They, they get sick of feeling the weight on their face. It's not like mind blowing because it's standalone. And then they set it down, it collects dust until like someone makes something new and that's six months to six to 12 months later. And then the cycle repeats itself. There's not many experiences that bring people back daily. And so that's what like I'm watching. The last thing that I think is really fascinating that I think about almost daily is CK Bubbles. Do you know who CK Bubbles is? I don't. They created an environment where by day they're an actual nail tech in New York City. So they actually create uh, nail art and for famous people and just people that want to get their nails done. It doesn't scale well. And celebrity nail tech, what do you do? You go in the metaverse and you allow wearable art for your avatars to be sold. And they're they're killing it. Like, I mean, it's not like millions, millions of dollars today, but these are some of the small signals you have to watch and you sure. see them evolve into to really big things. It's kind of like everybody knew Travis Scott was going to be big, right? It was just a matter of when, right? The guy had, you know, joined 
TI early on and did the Grand Hustle thing. Then he was working as a writer and, and producer for Kanye West for many years before he was Travis Scott, as we know him today. And so if you were paying attention to like who was the innovator in the space, who had the unique sound, you would have probably been able to really see the tra like Travis Scott being a, a really big deal. Um, CK Bubbles, they're in the same bucket. It's like, if it's not this project, it's going to be one of the projects because they're independent. They're just a creator. They're making headwind and like they're not doing anything that I feel like is corny. Like I hadn't seen that before. Joe Hunting was exactly when we were writing the book. It was kind of like, this is why I'm writing this book is this this dude redefined what it means to make a screenshot like and then monetize a screenshot. Right. Like <laughs> he got paid to do a screen recording of a video game environment and uh, sold that to HBO Max. Like that is crazy. Anybody could anybody watching this can can press screen record and like tell a story. But that's why I say the metaverse is not even in its first inning. It's like you're trying to figure out your, your swing and like right. uh, and, and what and, and, and what you can do with the bat. Got it. Last question. Is the hype perfectly balanced? Is it uh overhyped, underhyped? That's a good question. I would say like right At now, metaverse is too yeah, it's too buzzwordy, right? Like, so it's it's way too overhyped. It's way way too much sauce in this in this pot. Uh, we've got to we've 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 got to do great work as the actual innovators that are building experiences that are on the ground of communicating what's happening and and setting re readjusting expectations and telling people that look, this is not going to happen tomorrow. This might take six to ten years, but those that are working on this now, when this gets big it's going to be really, really big. And, and I'll close on this. If you don't believe me on that, you know, I'm just going to give you some stats that that, 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 that came from MetaConnect 2022. There was an emphasis on one in three apps in the Quest store is making 1 million plus in gross revenue. So one in three apps is making 1 million plus in gross revenue. There's money on these platforms, right? Especially if you're any developer and you just spend some time figuring out how to build and you make something that people can use, your odds of getting a million dollars plus in gross revenue are pretty high. On top of that, there's 33 apps that are making 10 million plus in gross revenue. And that's up from February of this year where they only had 22 apps. So there are apps that are figuring out how to get the scale, how to get you know $10 million in gross revenue. And the thing that really stood out to me was some of the, how fast some of these apps are making money. Uh, Walking Dead, uh, the Saints and Sinners game on, on Quest generated 50 million plus revenue on just the Quest platform alone. That's absurd. It means like if you have a big brand and you have like a, a story to tell and you can bring that to life in an XR environment, like there are people that will pay to experience those those concepts. Um, and then Resident Evil earned $2 million in 24 hours. Like they dropped it and it was like, all right, cool. Here's Resident Evil 4. A lot of people wanted to play that in VR. There was a shock factor because, you know, it's Resident yeah. Evil, so it's scary. And it's a game also that's nostalgic. Like, I mean, I remember when Resident Evil 4 came out, it was a big deal. Like that was the, that was, that was in the, that was in the heyday of the consoles as we knew them. Um, so before next gen consoles came, like Resident Evil 4 was a big deal. So I look at it and say that like, there's a lot of opportunity for developers and innovators and business people and people that have hobbies and, you know, people that just want to explore the interest of the metaverse to make real money. And even though it's super early, there are these these headsets aren't cheap. So you're dealing with kind of an iPhone persona where, sure. you know, Android, it was harder to make money on that platform, whereas iPhone, people were spending six, seven hundred dollars on a phone. So asking them to give you three dollars wasn't that, that big of a deal. Makes a lot of sense. I agree. You know, Q Harrison, go get his book. Number one. Number two, again, appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think, you know, 
learned a lot about all the different aspects of, you know, what you see from the metaverse from top down and even some of the bottom up stuff that you, you spoke about. Um, you know, as we move through this series, I think a lot of people, we're going to have gamers on here. We're going to have VC firms on here. We're going to have builders on here. Uh, and I think what you're going to find is a lot of what Q Harrison just said, uh, you're going to hear from the mouths of the individuals actually building. And there's going to be that synergy between the two. Again, Q, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll talk soon. And